Some of you are going to find this a bit incredulous, but here's something that federal, state, and local governments all tell us to do that we should actually listen to. Eat more fruits and vegetables. You've heard about the health benefits of increasing plant-based nutrients into your diet, but how can you easily consume all the fruits and veggies needed? Well, it's easy. By adding Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity into your meals. Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity is a power blend that has 31 fruits and vegetables in every scoop. Organic vegetables, super greens, super fruits, and super sprouts. It is fortified with essential vitamins plus an immunity boost. And right now, you can get a free two-week supply of Grown American Superfood and Essential Vitamins Plus Immunity by just paying $8.95 for the shipping and handling. And not only that, you'll also get a free frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown American drink. Go to grownamericansuperfood.com forward slash John and order today. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. This is Sirius XM Progress, Channel 127. I'm John Fugelsang. We are live and interactive for the next three hours. And it was a very eventful day. I hope you and yours are doing all right. We'd love to hear from you here on Progress. Our number is 866-997-4748. For the next three hours, we're going to be coming at you with a lot of facts, a lot of passion, a lot of compassion, a lot of empathy, uh, some things approximating humor, and we will strive to bring you to the verge of entertainment. 866-997-4748 is the number over here. There's a lot to get to today. We are all very happy to welcome back our executive producer, the great Chris Houselt, who is away gallivanting, having weddings and such with friends and doing things that people who have fun do. It's great to have you back, Chris. The great Thea Harper, our producer, is still running this thing out of Brooklyn. I come to you from Manhattan. We got a good one tonight. Uh, Our good friend Max Burns will be here. Shaniqua McClendon, of uh, Crooked Media is here to talk about Vote Save America and all the work they are already doing to make sure people realize what exactly is at stake here in November, even if the media keeps telling you you don't like the two choices. It's a pleasure to be with you. A Michigan jury found the mother of a high school mass shooting perpetrator guilty of involuntary manslaughter because she bought the gun that was used in the shooting. Never mind people trying to trace this to Kyle Rittenhouse. This is a huge precedent. Do you agree That if you purchase a gun and you leave it unguarded and your child uses it to mass shoot a bunch of people in a school, you should be on the hook legally. I'd love to know your thoughts on that one. Actor and former MMA fighter Gina Carano was fired by Disney from the show The Mandalorian, where she played uh, Cara Dune, because she had done a posting after the election of 2020 where she compared Trump supporters who were not being believed in their claims of election fraud to... The victims of the Holocaust. 
Smarter people than me can say that's a fine way to get fired because private corporations can fire you for any reason they want. And Disney, being a private corporation, fired her quick. Now she's filed a wrongful termination suit against Disney. Elon Musk is offering to help. And and I guess she's in good shape because if there's one thing we know about Disney, they, they don't have any good lawyers. Country singer Toby Keith has died age 62, just months after a stomach cancer diagnosis. This unleashed a fierce day of debate from people, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. A lot of folks uh, said some very unkind but true things about Mr. Keith, and um, a lot of folks said when the guy first dies is not the time to get out there and smear him. I'm of a mixed mind on it. I wouldn't say anything negative about him today, but um, I would say things truthful about him, which is that he realized back 20 years ago he could make a lot more coin in the country music world by embracing George W. Bush's illegal amoral war on Iraq vociferously and attacking the 100 million Americans who opposed it. So all I'll say today is Dixie Chicks, I hope you have a good album and the work's coming out very soon. Want to know what your thoughts are. I mean, is it, I would never criticize him. I would never take delight in his suffering. No one deserves to die from cancer. But we also can't play dumb. This guy cashed in and made a lot of money on a lot of hate for Muslims. His lies and Bush's lies that America really needed to kill a lot of Muslims or else Iraq was going to do something bad to us. That's going to be part of his epitaph. And he made a lot of money writing some pretty ugly songs about it. God bless his family. God bless his soul. I wish him eternal peace. What do you think about this debate? Is it mean? Is it fair? Or is it the sort of thing we should stay away from? Also, Israeli intelligence has now suggested that 50 of the hostages taken on October 7th have been killed, roughly 20% of the total hostages remaining. Okay, our number is 866-997-4748. I came here tonight all set to do a big old commentary about Tracy Chapman and her appearance the other night at the Grammys. And what some of the words of deeply inferior men uh, show about our culture at large. But I I don't know if I'm going to have time to get to Tracy Chapman, because today, my friends, the do-nothingest House of Representatives in history did even less. The do-nothing House Republicans, friends, they kept the streak alive all day long. Let's go through it as quickly as I can. As you know, the Republicans who screamed to you for years about a crisis on the border now refuse to fix it. They want to wait a year until Donald Trump is president again to stop it, even though Donald Trump doesn't exactly have a good record at stopping it when he is president. The Republicans want you to believe there's a literal invasion at our southern border, and it has to be stopped, but not until January of 2025. Well, this has been going on, and we've been covering this story extensively for the last week. Joe Biden gave a speech on it today, and he vowed to tell the voters every day between now and November that Trump... And the Republicans are the only reason the border is not secure. Here's A2, Joe Biden lamenting the hows and whys of a collapsed border proposal that gave Republicans everything they'd ever said they wanted. The result of all this hard work is a bipartisan agreement that represents the most fair, humane reforms in our immigration system in a long time. And the toughest set of reforms to secure the border ever. Now... All indications are this bill won't even move forward to the Senate floor. Why? A simple reason. Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump thinks it's bad for him politically. Therefore, he doesn't even know it helps the, the, the country. He's not for it. He'd rather weaponize this issue than actually solve it. So for the last 24 hours, he's done nothing, I'm told, but reach out to Republicans in the House and the Senate and threaten them 
and try to intimidate them to vote against this proposal. And it looks like they're caving. Frankly, they owe it to the American people to show some spine and do what they know to be right. Now, you know this bill. We talked about it extensively last night. It would provide 1,500 new border agents and officers to help secure the border, cutting-edge machines to detect and stop fentanyl, more than 100 new immigration judges to make the asylum backlog move a lot faster, 4,000 more asylum officers to process the claims inside of six months, expediting the work permits more quickly, which the governors and the mayors and the business leaders have been asking for. Republicans are now officially blocking a massive border security win because they don't want to win. And they're also doing everything they can do to make Putin win. Senator Brian Schatz said today, I do think House Republicans are underestimating how easy it'll be to point out that this bill does the stuff they asked for, and they suddenly opposed it because Trump wanted to deny Biden a victory. It's quite easy to explain to the suburbs. Even, do we have the Steve Ducey clip, Chris? This one, when, when, when you lose the deuce, I mean, even Steve Ducey, My old beloved sparring partner of Fox and Friends is exasperated by Republicans bowing to Donald Trump on a border bill that both the Border Patrol Union and the CBP chief want to pass. Listen to Steve losing it. And I know a lot of Republicans are against it because Donald Trump is against it. But here's here's the problem for you guys. Uh, The Border Patrol Union came out and the acting CBP chief both came out and said they're not it's not perfect. But this is the best thing we've seen in decades. So are Republicans going to say that the Border Patrol Union and the acting CBP chief are wrong? Well, look, they can have their perspective, Steve. Uh, and we've it's got a lot of respect. Jobs, huh? we've, well, and it's our job to uh, actually make sure the laws will accomplish what we're seeking to do. OK, but today now, today, the do nothing Congress, are you ready? Got even more do nothinger. They failed to impeach the Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, which they've been promising to do ever since they completely gave up without telling you on impeaching Joe Biden and his son. Uh, The the high stakes gamble to impeach Mayorkas completely fell apart today. It was never going anywhere. But the articles of impeachment against the Homeland Security Secretary failed badly. A 214 to 216 vote. Uh, Three Republicans, Ken Buck in Colorado, Mike Gallagher in Wisconsin, they really hate him now, and Tom McClintock in California, they joined all the Democrats in voting against the first impeachment of a cabinet secretary since 1876. Keep in mind, there were no high crimes and misdemeanors. He's not been accused of committing any high crimes and misdemeanors. It's a policy difference. They're trying to impeach him because, again, they have nothing to offer non-millionaires. Fourth Republican leader flipped to no to then allow the vote to be brought back up when Steve Scalise returns home from cancer treatment because Steve Scalise is away receiving stem cell treatment, which Steve Scalise previously voted against you ever being able to get. But these Republicans voted against it. Uh, Buck, Gallagher and McClintock. Yesterday, they were all loyal MAGAs. Today, because they wouldn't vote for a scam impeachment that's going to die in the Senate anyway. No, now they're woke uniparty socialist globalist rhino cucks. And Fox News is Fox News is going to put a D after their names. As for actual legislation, they can't be bothered. So who are they going to try to impeach next? I mean, it was Biden and it was Mayorkas. Who, who, who now to give the illusion that the do nothingist Congress is doing something? Here's Jared Moskowitz earlier today, pretty much torching their entire impeachment scam in the House. Quite frankly, it's President Trump himself that says, quite frankly, his hiring procedures 
were quite terrible. John Bolton, who worked in the Trump administration, Trump called him a wacko and a sick puppy. Jeff Sessions, who was hired by Donald Trump, was called mentally unqualified. John Kelly, who was hired by Donald Trump, he said, Trump said he was way over his head. Rex Tillerson, who was hired by Donald Trump, he was dumb as a rock. The congressman's whole point was, all these guys that Donald Trump hired and said were so horrible, but you're trying to impeach this cabinet secretary? This thing was DOA in the Senate no matter what. It was going to die on the floor of the Senate like Caesar on the Ides of March. All this show today is that Trump's little Johnson, our House Speaker, the fundamentalist right-wing Christian who fights against anything Christ talked about and is two heartbeats away from the presidency, who calls himself Moses? Well, we learned today, little Moses hasn't learned to count. I mean, it was a sham. And I don't understand the rush to vote with Scalise absent. Why didn't they just wait until Scalise came back when they could be more sure it passed? No, because they have no impulse control. And Ted Cruz came out today and said it was time for McConnell to resign as the Republican leader of the Senate, which made the Republicans even more happy because they hate Ted Cruz, but they hate McConnell more. They're falling apart. Senator Chris Murphy said it's dispiriting because there used to be a difference between the Senate Republican caucus and the House Republican caucus. There is no difference. They are just as dysfunctional. They are just as tied to President Trump. And as for actual, you know, legislation to help the lives of Americans, they can't be bothered. Another instance of this party falling victim to their tiny right-wing House majority. And again, this is only going to make conservatives more angry. And the politicians who jerk those white people around are going to keep on telling them who to blame. I mean, Donald Trump ordered this impeachment, and it was an embarrassment now, Ken Buck said they'll be back tomorrow between 10 to 12 to do it again. Watch Donald Trump try to personally crucify and murder the Republican holdouts over the next 24 hours. Minutes after this, the House defeated their standalone $17 billion Israel aid package. The Democrats had said it was a political ploy designed to undermine the bipartisan Senate talks. They failed to pass an Israeli aid bill. I mean, this is in the war against Hamas, which they say is very important. That went down 250 to 180. And it was considered under an expedited procedure requiring two-thirds support. Nearly four dozen Democrats voted yes. More than a dozen Republicans opposed the maneuver. The White House said it was a cynical political maneuver. And as for actual legislation to affect the lives of American people, they can't be bothered. In the midst of all this, as I was realizing, I'm not going to get to talk about Tracy Chapman tonight. There's too much Republican fuckery and incompetence going on. The D.C. Circuit ruling is in. And it was unanimous, friends. There is no immunity for Trump. Trump is not immune from prosecution. The federal appeals court today rejected the former host of Celebrity Apprentice's claims that he has absolute immunity. Ruling that he can be prosecuted for shit he did trying to throw out the 2020 election results. He is not immune. I could have told him that hydroxychloroquine wouldn't make him immune to COVID either, but he didn't listen back then. Now, these charges are serious. To me, this is the big one. This is the federal government alleging that Trump orchestrated a subversion of democracy while he was president, trying to overturn the election, trying to throw out the will of the voters. I consider this to be history's most important case for spray tan's most absorbent face. It's also the case that has the best opportunity to stick and lead to jail time and get some Republicans to get away from this guy. 
and give Republicans a chance to get away from this guy? That trial was supposed to begin in early March, right in the middle of primary season. So delaying the trial as long as possible has always been the number one goal. Trump wants to win the presidential election and make all the federal cases go away and then using some Hogwarts magic, I guess, make the state cases go. So the appeals court, one level below the Supreme Court, totally dismantled Trump's insane illegal argument that he's immune from prosecution for anything he did as president. Trump said, you can't prosecute me for actions I did as president. It's always ridiculous. His lawyers were essentially arguing that a president's immune from prosecution, even if he assassinated his political opponents, unless he was impeached by the House and convicted by the Senate. That's the only way a crime's a real crime. The D.C. Circuit Court, friends, had their way with them. If you have the time tomorrow, try to read some of this yourself. It's like porn for the angels. For the purpose of this criminal case, former President Trump has become citizen Trump. The court said, we cannot accept that the office of the presidency places its former occupants above the law for all time thereafter. Unanimous ruling. We cannot accept former President Trump's claim that a president has unbounded authority to commit crimes that would neutralize the most fundamental check on executive power, the recognition and implementation of election results. And the judges said Trump was trying to claim he had carte blanche to violate the rights of individual citizens to vote and have their votes count. Dude, when the circuit court judges are saying the same thing the prosecutors are saying, get some new lawyers. Republicans, this is what you got. Good day. Your party has gone from I am not a crook to a crook is not a crook. I mean, think about the logic behind this. We've talked a lot about how ridiculous this is, but essentially they're saying Ford never needed to pardon Nixon because nothing Nixon did could have been illegal because he wasn't removed by the Senate, which means Joe Biden could murder Donald Trump tomorrow. And if the Senate doesn't remove him, no laws have been broken. So no immunity. He's going to appeal this, of course. And it's going to go to the Supreme Court. Maybe. I mean, (laughs) that's the thing, right? Like he's so mad he can't order SEAL Team 6 to murder his opponents. But this is still Donald Trump's inevitable slow motion crash into a cartoon brick wall. No immunity. I mean, the federal government now could be on track to put him on trial for his role in this. And the panel directs the clerk to issue the mandate to send the case back to Judge Tanya Chutkin on February 13th. Unless Donald Trump tries to get the Supreme Court to review it before then. And that's going to put pressure on Donald Trump's legal team to try to get the Supreme Court to review this by next week. I don't think the court's going to take it. They have no obligation to take it. I think they are going to just kick it back to Judge Chutkin. In a perfect world, Clarence Thomas would recuse himself. We are not in a perfect world. He's going to ask the Supreme Court to decide if he's immune from prosecution. But while he's going to do that, the prosecution will resume. I don't know when the trial could be, but I don't think the Supreme Court's going to give him what he wants to see. And just so you know, it's not looking good. I mean, can he even be on Republican primary ballots? Well, that same Supreme Court's going to hear those arguments this Thursday in the case about the clause in the 14th Amendment. Colorado's already said he can't be on the primary ballot. And then the Georgia election interference case, well, they're trying to say that because Fonnie Willis had a relationship with a lawyer after she hired him to prosecute Trump, that somehow the RICO case is no good. That's not going anywhere. Will he have to pay hundreds of millions of dollars to the state of New York? Probably. He's already been guilty of fraud in the way he ran his business, and it could be around $370 million. He could be banned from doing business in New York. This is on top of the nearly $90 million he has to pay for defamation of E. Jean Carroll, and this penalty could come down any day. What about will he be convicted of hiding the classified documents from the government? Right. I mean, that's the other federal case retaining national security information, including U.S. nuclear secrets, 
plans for military retaliation if we're attacked. He took these documents he was not authorized to have. He returned some when they asked, but the ones he didn't, that's what he's being charged for, not the ones he returned when asked. And he resisted many attempts by federal officials to return them. Oh, and on top of all this, I forgot to mention, Ronna McDaniels is resigning as RNC chair. Yeah, well done today. So how do you distract from all this? How about bring Matt Gates and Elise Stefanik out to introduce a bill that says Trump is not an insurrectionist? You ready? Trump's biggest leeches have detached themselves from his backside long enough to hold a press conference saying there was no insurrection. Have you received any assurances from the speakership that they would put this on the board to talk to Johnson about it? I haven't. I sat next to him for seven years in the Judiciary Committee, though, so I'm pretty assured as to where he stands. Did you talk to Trump about this resolution? I have. And what, what's his thoughts? He was thrilled that so many members had signed on. It's really incredible to have 63 original co-sponsors to anything, and President Trump was heartened by his many supporters who, uh, who are backing our legislative endeavor. You got that, Republicans? They failed in impeaching the Secretary of the Homeland Security. They failed in passing their own bill they demanded and worked on for months. They failed in passing an aid bill to Israel. They failed in having their RNC chair continue. (laughs) They failed in saying that a president can't break the law. All of this happened today, and they decided to have a press conference saying that Donald Trump didn't try to overthrow the government. Marjorie Taylor Glean de- declared that anyone who called Trump an insurrectionist was a liar. This is the type of things Republicans are spending their time on. As for actual legislation that helps American lives, they can't be bothered. When are all these white people going to start noticing that Donald Trump loses an awful lot? We want to know what you guys think. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. A quick break, and we'll be right back with the great Shaniqua McClendon of Crooked Media. This is Progress. Hi there, it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus. You may know me from my podcast called Wiser Than Me, where I talk to older women and get their wisdom from the front lines of life. I was amazed by how many people told me our show made them look forward to getting older, which is why I'm here to talk about season two of the show. Sally Field, Billie Jean King, Beverly Johnson, Ina Garten, Bonnie Ray, just to name a few. All hail old women. Wiser Than Me season two is out now from Lemonada Media. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey everybody, it's Michael Steele, host of the Michael Steele Podcast. Each week, I discuss key political and cultural issues joined by America's leading activists, experts, and academics for conversations that transcend political boundaries. And that's the point. I want you to join me as we work through real solutions, have honest conversations, just keeping it real, and having a little fun on the side. So listen to the Michael Steele Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Spreaker, or wherever you get your podcasts on, because you know I love it when you do. And welcome back to a day that will live in infamy. 
when the do-nothingest party we've ever had and the do-nothingest Congress we ever had really found incredibly creative ways to do less than nothing. I'm John Fugel saying I am so pleased to welcome our next guest back to the show. I am a, a just it, it's scary how big a fan I am of her and of her work. She is brilliant and she is fighting for this democracy in some of the most clever ways possible. Shaniqua McClendon has worked in politics for over a decade. She currently serves as vice president of politics at Crooked Media, home to our friends at Pod Save America. She led the creation of Vote Save America, which is a dynamite voter engagement program that helped create the blue waves of Democratic victories we like to talk about so much in 2018, 2020, and the 2022 midterms. And Vote Save America has raised over $55 million directly for candidates and grassroots organizations, and I'd say most importantly, voter registration as well. Before Crooked Media, Shaniqua began her career as a White House intern for President Barack Obama. She then went on to Capitol Hill, where she was a policy advisor to Senator Kay Hagan and legislative director to Congresswoman Alma Adams. We are always thrilled to have Shaniqua McClendon back on Sirius XM. Good evening and welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. I hope you had a terrific New Year's. It's wonderful to have you back. I did. Happy New Year. I didn't even think about that. It feels like it all just meshes together. So thanks for pointing I know. that out. I, I'll, I'll keep on telling people until March. I'm insufferable. <laughs> um, it's so exciting now that we're in the midst of the election year because you're a very busy person. I know you recently launched a new Vote Save America website, but I want to remind mm-hmm. our listeners, both the live ones and the folks who listen on the podcast and on demand, about everything that Vote Save America and Vote Save America Action have done to accelerate the growth and scope of this work. You guys are really focused on how your support can have the most impact possible in the most important contests. Yeah. Yeah. No, that is something that's just been, um, I will be honest. I wish more people noticed that before, but now more people are starting to notice. But when we launched in 2018, um, we got an opportunity to kind of see what we were made of. Um, We had 20. 3,000 shifts that we filled in a two and a half month period, mostly focused on uh, the House of Representatives, but we also raised $2.7 million in that time, uh, which really showed us what we can do. But in 13 days, 2.7 of that million, 2 point, sorry, and those, sorry, in those two and a half months, we raised $2.7 million, but 2.4 million of that came in in 13 days. And that was how we discovered that we could really raise a tremendous amount of money. And that is what helped us understand what we could do in 2020 when we had a tremendous impact. And over the last five and a half years, we've raised over $55 million. We've had um, volunteers fill over 200,000 volunteer shifts. And, um, you know, it's just been really good. Our audience shows up because they they come to us looking for what they can do. And unlike traditional news, we don't just tell them what's wrong. We tell them how they can fix it. Which is what I love about the podcast and about the whole network. And I just I just want to highlight a bit because I still think you're being modest about 2018. You guys (laughs) create I I remember when this happened because I was listening. You guys created this fund for like it was like less than a dozen house races that were really competitive, but also had really cheap media markets and you decided to just launch that way to try to just say hey listen the donations will help these candidates who have a shot get messages Mm -hmm. cheaply to the most people yes and brand new pack and you raised a million in five days that okay i appreciate that because yes those are the details essentially um civics civics and civics analytics which is like a, a polling firm I reached out to us and said, hey, we have um, 10 races where uh, they're competitive, but they're in cheap media markets. And if you tell your audience, if they donate here, they'll help uh, these candidates get their messages out further. 
we literally put an act blue page together and in five days we had raised a million dollars and so you know i understood the power of what we were doing before that but after that i really really understood the power of what we were doing because we got people to volunteer but getting people to donate their money felt like something that was really big and raising a million dollars in five days is it's just yeah. a little unheard of in the political space. Um, but we really tapped into the energy that people had around, you know, beginning the process of getting rid of Trump. Yeah. Well, that's why I think Vote Save America was so smart, because you really kept it realistic. And of course, whenever you talk about being realistic and trying to win elections, you're going to inspire Democrats and you're going to probably piss off a lot of liberals and progressive folks. But as an example, I know that you guys had a bit of a debate about in 2020, you know, should we use yeah. the money we're raising to help someone like Amy McGrath, who I love and admire, mm -hmm. should the funds go to a campaign like that to beat Mitch McConnell? Generally, yeah. when you guys were starting, you were trying to avoid the big buzzy races, right? Yeah, you know, you know, if there was a buzzy race that was competitive and we could have a dramatic impact on, that's where we wanted to get involved. But in Kentucky, if you just paid attention to politics for long enough, look, everyone hates Mitch McConnell on our side. But something that we were really clear on is that we were not going to take him out of the Senate, but we could remove him from his majority leader position. Uh, and that's why we named our fund Get Mitch. Uh, the the mm -hmm. full title is Get Mitch or Die Trying. Um, but the focus was not actually getting him out of the Senate. It was just getting him out of that leadership position. And so we got a little flack from mostly Twitter saying, why don't you have Amy McGrath in your fund? Um, you know, and not only... It just wasn't a competitive race. You know, something that I think people yeah. should understand is no matter how you feel about someone nationally, Mitch McConnell was the majority leader, which meant he could direct a lot of funds back home to Kentucky, which meant his right. constituents were happy regardless of what party they were in. And there is value in having your member of Congress be in leadership. So it was going to be yeah. really difficult for us to get rid of him. But what we could do was get him out of his leadership position. The other piece of that is, Amy McGrath raised a ton of money because the people who were giving her money were not paying attention to the things that I just mentioned. So she just mm -hmm. had a lot of money where our grassroots dollars were not going to make a difference for her. So we wanted to direct those dollars to where they could make a difference. And exactly. again, we got a little flack, but when more attention started being paid, people started to understand our decision making. Yeah, what a shock that purity test guys on Twitter would give you a hard time, but it's, it's completely brilliant oh, because... Yes. I mean, you, if you had knocked out McConnell and somehow he'd been replaced, uh, you know, by a different Republican, per se, you know, let's say, I mean, the actual makeup of the Senate might have stayed the same with or without Mitch McConnell. But by going to try to get some of the more accessible, reachable races, yeah, you can't take out McConnell, but you can leave him a lot less power with his 18 percent approval rating back home. Yes. You know, the other thing that is interesting that I've been thinking about lately is like for a long time, Mitch McConnell separate from Kentucky, he's really had control over his caucus. He doesn't anymore. And, um, yeah, you know, he's, he's a sane person. And I think it's better for us to have a sane person in that position than, you know, someone who's going to just do crazy things. But I'd still rather him be there than someone else, because I know that at least in 2020, we're not going to have a Democrat there. Um, and, Look, I'm somewhat I'm a Democrat. I want as many Democrats in Congress as possible. But like, I'm very happy that someone like a Carrie Lake is not there. I'm very happy that someone like a Dr. Exactly. Oz is not there. And 
Exactly. I'm never going to, you know, invest in Mitch McConnell getting reelected, but I'm not going to invest in his opponent if it's not a serious Amen. race where we can actually take that. Yeah, a, a less powerful, inarticulate, hated by his own base, Mitch McConnell, gives me lots of viewing pleasure. So I thank you for your service. Yeah. I, I want to ask you, though, I remember in 2019, <laughs> you, you discussed this feeling of, of resignation, a lot of folks, and some inevitable disappointment some folks felt concerning the 2020 election going into it. There was a lot of anxiety about it. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm curious, what are you observing now as the general attitude going into this election? I know the attitude the corporate media wants us to have, and I'm told every day how both sides are so sick and disappointed with their horrible nominees. Um, I, I'm used to the false equivalency of policy I get from the media, but what mm-hmm. are you getting from the people you're talking with and the volunteers you're working with? Yeah, you know, I think our audience, um, there, there are, look, there are some people, we've been honest about it, we don't trickle-coat it, who are not excited about Biden, they're not excited about having the same choices they had in 2020, but our audience is still going to show up because they do not equate the two options as being the same. They recognize right. that um, we had four years of Trump and it was really bad, but not only do we know what his presidency looks like, he's been quite open and clear in a way that I wouldn't expect about what he would do if he's reelected. Um, we also know that enough Democrats are not um, knowledgeable on a lot of the stuff that Biden and the Democrats have done. And so yeah. the way that we are approaching this is um, just opening the gate and saying, we understand that everyone's not excited. And even if you are not enthusiastic about this election, we still need you to be engaged. We know what Trump will do. We know that there's a possibility that there might not be a 2028 election if we don't um, reelect Joe Biden. And we also know what the choices are. You know, it's the stuff he said he was going to do is is worse enough. But if he's able to capture both chambers of Congress, I think in, uh, you know, in 2021, no one probably would have thought we would be having a conversation about a national abortion ban. But after yeah. Roe is overturned, I think more people are aware of that. And this, uh, you know, this summer we'll see the Supreme Court deciding whether or not abortion medication will still be accessible. And so I do think that people are a little bit more tuned into one, what it means to have a Republican, specifically Donald Trump in office, choosing who our state or choosing who our Supreme Court uh, justices are. But if he's able to capture both the Senate and the House, there's literally nothing we can do. And my hot take about all of this is I know that uh, there was a lot of resistance from Republicans and certain Democrats about Democrats um, eliminating the filibuster. I truly do believe the minute Mitch McConnell regains control of the Senate, that filibuster is out of here and we're getting yeah. a national abortion oh, yeah. ban and whatever else they want to do. You know, so absolutely. We should have done it then. But for now, we need to protect uh, the Senate from them taking control. But, you know, I keep thinking about how many progressives that I never thought would ever support Joe Biden really came out of the woodwork in 2020. And then, you know, when you have Angela Davis and Cornell West and Noam Chomsky all endorsing Joe Biden in 2020, I think that there's a lot of the same sentiment out there now that it's not so much I'm on team Biden. I don't want Trumpism to be in power anymore. Roe v. Wade will certainly fuel that turnout. But as Biden always likes to say, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. Yeah, I mean, we, we have. <laughs> when you don't really buy the polls, and I don't, I do think that people are going to have a choice of Trump or not Trump. And do you think that that's going to yeah. be a compelling binary choice for Americans? Yeah, I do. You know, I have to be honest, I like eat, eat live, breathe and sleep this stuff. And so I mean, yeah. since 
the election in 2020, I figured that uh, Donald Trump was going to run for, you know, have a rematch with Joe Biden. But, you know, I've spoken to a few friends who they pay attention to politics. They're not as in it as me. But after the Iowa caucus, they said to me, oh, Donald Trump is actually going to be the Republican nominee. And so I think for a lot of voters, they are just waking up to the fact that these are our actual choices. And I think once that resonates, they're reminded of what um, the last, you know, his four years were like, they start to hear about Project 2025 and what he has planned. And one other thing I'll add is the media this time is actually covering what a Trump presidency would look like. They're not treating him, you know, like the joke or with kid gloves this time. I've seen a lot more coverage um, of what it will look like. So I, I do think that as whoever's frustrated by Biden, there's one, you know, you can be frustrated, but I'm afraid of Trump. And I think that will start yeah. to resonate with a lot of people. And even if it's begrudgingly, they will recognize that, like, there's too much at stake for feelings of, you know, whatever feelings they have to. That's not a good enough reason to let Trump be president again. I agree. I'm selling this entire thing as a reality show vote and that this year voters <laughs> get a choice. Donald Trump will either go to jail or to the White House. That is what is on the ballot. You decide the next 10 years of his life right here, folks. And that's yeah. the binary choice I, I can honestly, live with. Yeah, I, I could be wrong. I think if we can defeat him this last time, I hope he will not like run ever again. And so hopefully if we can just get rid of him this last time, you know, in a perfect world, oh, come on, you, we have you don't want to see an 80. You, do, you don't want to see 82 year old Trump running in four years. I'm sorry. He no. has if he if he can run again, if he loses this time and then runs again, he will beat William Jennings Bryan and be the only man to lose the popular vote four times. Only he can four do times. it. Shaniqua. Only he can. Do oh, my it. gosh. I just, you know. Hopefully this doesn't sound awful. I was, I don't mean this in a mean way. I was really surprised that he survived COVID, you know, like when he left the hospital early and walked up those steps and was breathing very hard, you know, Mm -hmm. I guess he had the best medical care any of us could get, but. I wasn't surprised I when he got it. I mean, I wasn't surprised when he no, got it. He, you know, he's he, he's yeah. he's uh, got a public sector job. He's a person of color and he's broke. He was all the all the risk factors for it. You know, I, I want to ask wow, you something. That's, um, that's so funny. Want, the person of color. That's funny. Uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, to me, it's Orange. like when a white supremacist spray tans himself to be less white, you're cock blocking your own hate. I try to tell him, Shaniqua, I try to tell the man he won't listen to my he won't read my tweets. Um, if you could convince the various Democratic campaigns on their communications mm-hmm. effort this year, if you could advise them all, what would you say? You know, I will. I mean, obviously, the White House can't do what we're doing, but um, we are just really laying out this. Well, they can do this. Uh, We're not focusing so much on Joe Biden, which they have to focus on him. But um, beneath the surface of that, we are really focusing on what's at stake. We saw the way that Dobbs, uh, you know, the Dobbs decision mobilized people in 2022. We saw actually last year how abortion continued to mobilize people. Um, There's supposed to be a red wave in 2022 that didn't happen. In Ohio, we saw people really show up not once but twice with the August ballot measure and then again in November. Um, And in 2022, places like Kansas and Kentucky protected abortion access. So, you know, we have to focus on those stakes. And if we know abortion is a thing that will mobilize people, really focus on that. But like, Donald Trump has said crazy. Okay, I don't, I won't curse. He said crazy stuff he's going to do. He said he's <laughs> yeah. going to like pardon the January 6th 
you know, what are they calling them? Uh, the tourists, the, uh, the, the hostages, the hostages, the hostages. Yes. The, the hostages. Yeah. He said he's he wasn't able, he didn't have a chance to pardon them before he left last time. He pardoned Steve Bannon, exactly. who ripped them all off, but he didn't bother pardoning them before. I'm sorry. No, go on. not all of them. No. Yeah. So he's going to let them out of jail, which if that <laughs> happens, why would they not do this again? He's also yeah. said that he's going to, um, you know, fill the government with Trump loyalists. And so you think about the people who kind of were like the barrier from things getting as bad as they could. Those people won't be there and he'll have like the people who would have said yes to all of the crazy stuff that came out after, um, you know, the thinking that went into January 6th. Um, you know, he's clearly willing to restrict abortion further. Again, we see this um, abortion pill access uh, case, you know, there's just and then, you know, you think about even, you know, I hate to bring up the most controversial thing. But, um, you know, you even think about the war in Gaza right now. You know, I was watching the news this morning and some of the far right conservatives in Israel have said, we want Trump. Biden is giving us too much resistance. He's not doing what we want him to do. And so we know if Trump was here, we'd be able to have free reign to do whatever we wanted in Gaza. And so Mm -hmm. there's just so much at stake. um, And I think that we should be focusing on that. Again, people, everyone's not excited about Biden, but. This might make yeah. people upset. We don't really have the privilege to be grappling with that right now. Like we are That's really right. in a kind of like, uh, you know, example I use. I don't know football that well, but I know that if you are in the middle of the field, that is better than being five yards from your uh, opponent's uh, field goal. And right mm-hmm. now we're five yards from our opponent's field goal. We need to get back at least to the center before we start having those other quabbles or quibbles. Squabbles. Uh, squirmers. Squabbles. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but right now, we just don't have the privilege of taking risks. And we need to like get ourselves back uh, to the center before we can do that, because there's a lot at stake. And, you know, I know people think it sounds really just dramatic to say that like we might not have an, another election after the selection of Donald Trump wins. But after yeah. watching what happened on January 6th, I, I, that is that doesn't feel far fetched to me. I worked on the Hill for six years. When I was watching the live coverage of that, all I thought was, "Oh, when I had left my badge at home, the Capitol Police would not let me in those doors." And so, for those people to just rush in there, and that was me trying to get into an office building, not the Capitol, and they just Where broke into worked. there. Yeah, yeah. And so, I just at this at this point, after seeing what I've seen over the past, you know, eight years. Nothing would surprise me, and I don't think we should think anything is not possible. So then, I mean, I think that Joe Biden's going to have a terrific record to run on, and I think the economy will have noticeably and perceptibly turned around, and we'll be seeing all of the, uh, we'll be seeing some of the effects of the infrastructure bill go into place as well. So let me ask you the million dollar question. We're looking at another nail biter. What have you found are some of the most effective methods in encouraging people months in advance to commit to getting out and vote? I mean, I don't think we can rely on the Republican Party tripping over themselves and their own incompetence being enough for us. What is the language, the talking points that you find most effective for getting people to want to get out there? Yeah, honestly, right now it's been reminding them what four years of Trump look like and what he's promised for for the future. Um, Again, a lot of people have not been plugged in enough to realize that Donald Trump is going to be the nominee I don't know who they thought would be the nominee. And now there's this effort to pretend there's an actual primary on the Republican side. 
maybe Nikki Haley will drop out at some point. Um, but I think that after Super Tuesday, when it's just definitive that he's the nominee, a lot of people will start paying attention. Additionally, the media has not, you know, they're they're definitely covering um, what he has proposed, but he's not getting as much attention as he was in the past. And so I think he needs to kind of come back to being top of mind for people, for them to remember the days when he, you know, when the Muslim ban went down and, and lawyers mm. rushed and flocked to, to airports to to be representatives and, and help those folks. And, and remember the day, you know, granted this was after he was not in office anymore, but like, I'll never forget that feeling when the Dobbs leak when the Dobbs decision leaked that, I mean, yep. I, it was the end of my day. I thought the day was going to end. And then it was just like, Oh, Oh, wow. This just happened. And I remember I sent it to a friend and she was like, no, this can't be true. This has to be like some kind. I was like, I don't think it is. Yeah. And that yeah. was just, I can't call it the beginning of the craziness. It was just another marker in it. But I think people are going to return to those feelings. And I think they might even return to the feeling of, you know, uh, November of 2016. I still remember where I was, how I felt, what the next days were like. And yeah, we yeah. might have to like throw that in people's faces, but that's that's what people respond to. But people are tired now. They have spent, they spent four years trying to get rid of him. They got rid of him. And now we're telling them they have to show back up again, but there's so much more at stake that that's what we're focusing that's right. on. I believe in the patriotism of sane Americans. Shaniqua McClendon is VP of Politics at Crooked Media. Shaniqua, it's always an honor to have you on the show. I, I could talk to you for days. What is the best way for our evil army of the night to uh, follow you and to learn more about the work of Vote Save America? Yes. Um, I didn't mention much about it today, but we just relaunched our website, votesaveamerica.com. And if you go there, That's we have great. two great features. One is our um, action finder. You, regardless of where you are, you check a few boxes, let us know what you want to do and where you want to do it. And we will tailor um, and feed you actions you can take now. There's special elections going on, ballot measures that need more signatures, all those things you can find on the site. And we also launched our anxiety relief program, which is a recurring donor Mm -hmm. program. Um, you all may know progressive fundraising is down across the board and money at, in September does not have the same pa- impact as money earlier in the cycle. So we have started a recurring uh, donor program that has gotten off to a great start. Um, but all of that money goes directly to our grassroots partners who are on the ground trying to get started early. So, uh, But votesafeamerica.com. Oh, go ahead. Oh, it's just good to know that when we donate to Vote Save America, our donations will never go to pay for a rapist legal fees like other political donations. Oh, might. my gosh. No, I know. I, I sometimes <laughs> I'm like, can I get in front of the Republicans and say, hey, you're not you're paying for something else. <laughs> Amazing. Shaniqua, thank you so much for joining us. Really a pleasure. Please come back again very soon. I certainly will. Have a good one. Well, thank you. We'll be right back with your calls in just a moment at 866-997-4748. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. We are at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. Let's go to the phones because some of y'all have been waiting to talk for a long time. Tim in Massachusetts, thank you so much for waiting. You're on progress. Good hey, evening. Hey, John, how's it going? Good, man. How are you? Uh, it's been a minute since I've called, since, but you were asking at the top of your show your thoughts on the death of Toby Keith. And yeah, it's always I awkward when someone out. dies with a controversial legacy because, you know, I don't believe in saying hateful things to someone who's just passed. I respect their family and their grieving, but we're, I don't know where the line is. We're, we're, you know, I also don't respect playing dumb about someone's actions as well. Where do you come down on it? Well, I've, well, I didn't have any emotional, I didn't have any investment in Toby Keith's numbers. I, mean, I don't even really know that one big song he had. So he had a couple so of them. But yeah. I know, but the, my guess is the music was sort of on the bro countryside, which was not going to make me interested in getting. I put it on the Lenny Reifenstahl countryside myself, but yeah, absolutely, oh, probably yeah. But uh, but I, I mean, a lot of the comments on Twitter just referenced an incident between him and Chris Christopherson that happened in New York. We yeah. dated Chris Christopherson backstage, and Christopherson ended up giving his money's worth. It's his a hell of a story. So. Now, some people say that Ethan Hawke made that story up, and they asked Christopherson if it was true, and he said, I don't know. I don't remember what I had for breakfast today, which doesn't really sound like right. a denial. Christopherson's wife says it absolutely did happen, and the next time we have Willie on the show, I'm going to ask Willie Nelson if it happened. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's a hell of a story if it's true. Yeah, in, in any event, uh, if I was Toby Keith, I wouldn't, be, I wouldn't bait him like that or anybody like that. But I thought some of the comments were just, you know, just baiting for the sake of, were just, you know, baiting for the sake of baiting. So on Twitter. Well, yeah, people looking, people, people go on Twitter looking for fights. It's crazy. And they think that if I'm negative enough, I can get enough attention and maybe I'll get more likes if I can be hateful to somebody. And I'm, I'm not out for that. I, I don't want his family to feel bad today. But, you know, I, I, I mean, no one deserves to die from cancer. And I know in his personal life, he, he did a lot raising money for cancer research and helping victims of cancer. But, you know, I mean, I, I, it doesn't change the fact that he helped blacklist the Dixie Chicks because they oppose this illegal, immoral war. And it doesn't change the fact that he attacked 100 million Americans as unpatriotic because they didn't want to have this illegal, immoral war. And so, mm-hmm. you know, he made a lot of money doing it. He wrote a lot of songs about how all those Muslims deserve to die. And he made, you know. Uh, so I don't know what else to say. I'm sorry he suffered, but I'm also sorry that he and his lies helped uh, a million Iraqis suffer and 5,000 American troops lose their life. Understandable. And my feeling is he was just a, you know, at the end of the day, he was just a very successful country musician. Now, if this had been Vladimir Putin or Victor Orban or Bibi Netanyahu or uh, I don't know, some guy that John Bolton referred to as a sicko and a sick puppy or whatever, as you mentioned yeah. at the top of the show, that guy, yeah. <laughs> whatever, his, whatever his name is. I feel a little bit differently, but 
Yeah, I mean, and I don't like, I don't, I don't like, generally I try to avoid criticizing artists as well. I go after politicians and you're right. The the actual warmongers, the guys who made the war happen, they deserve a lot more blame, but it doesn't change the fact that Toby Keith was a warmonger who helped sucker a whole lot of young people into enlisting in evil, wrong wars. He didn't enlist himself. So, you know, I, I consider that cowardly. And, um, I, and, and, you know, I wouldn't exactly call him a feminist either. And he glorified these uh, no. Absolutely wrongful Middle East wars. And, uh, and he made a lot of money on some uber patriotism at a time when that was lucrative. So I, I hope his family is okay. I'm sure That's he left behind a lot. And I, I hope they'll all be all right. And may his soul go to heaven. What else can I say? Yeah. May the souls of everyone dead because of his attitude go to heaven as well. I don't know. I don't know what about heaven. What hell? That's another conversation. I don't either. Yeah, I don't either. <laughs> Above my pay grade. Yeah. Yep. But well, thank that's you, Tim. Basically, my feelings in a nutshell on him. So. I, I I think I agree. I share them. I I don't wish suffering on anybody. But that's yep. why I oppose the Iraq War. Thank you so much, Tim. I yep. appreciate your call. We're at eight six six nine nine seven forty seven forty eight. Steve is calling from Los Angeles. Hello, Steve. Welcome. You're on Sirius XM. Good evening. Oh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, Thank you. I, I listened a little bit last night. Um, didn't catch the whole show, but I, I one particular caller I wanted to kind of retort to. Um, it was a lady that called in. She was very upset about the amount of. Uh, which she said were illegals coming over the border. She had yeah. ran her own numbers about, oh, we're going to bring in 300,000 illegals and we'll have more illegals. Yeah. And, they love and that word. And I think she was, I think she was an over-the-road over the trucker. Um, I, I, I guess I would say, you know, if you're, if you're supporting Trump, a Trump acolyte, supporting the Republicans, you're actually putting party over country and that's not very patriotic but um, they think they own they don't see it that way they think they own the country it's theirs that's their birthright yeah, but, but any sentient human being can see what happened langford and um some of the democrats worked on a bill that even the border patrol says is a good bill so yeah. saying anything other than um yeah we should pass this bill because it's it's will bring some sort of order to the to the border if you're if you're not going to pass it because of trump you're putting fealty to some demagogue and his party over over what's good for the country I yeah. mean, did, did, yeah. does she claim to know more than than langford or more than <laughs> but the that's, border but patrol that's why we call it a cult and you know you're talking about the sentient people who support donald trump that's uh increasingly small club yeah, just completely insane. I mean, if you went, yeah. we're not talking about even even facts that hit hit you over the head with a hammer. I mean, what what? How can you reason with these people? I mean, it's, you can't reason with them. They're is, beyond this reason this because they're one. they're systemically kept from knowing the truth about Donald Trump. Most of these people don't yeah. even know that Donald Trump came out in 2016 and admitted Barack Obama was really born here. They don't know right. that he paid $26 million for stealing from vets with a fraud online university. They just don't know. They consume yeah. right-wing media all day that feeds their grievances and prejudices, and that's the gaslighting they willingly sign up for. So we can't use reason. We can't use history. We can't use the Constitution. I can tell you from experience, we cannot use the Bible to try. All we yeah. can do is call out why they're full of shit, not hate them back, and beat them at the ballot box. 
Well, I'm starting to hate him. But I mean, well, I know, you, you but got to resist. Hate go makes you back. dumb. Look, we got we got to fight. We're I, fighting for them. We're fighting for them. Right, but this okay. So I'm I'm not going to get complicated and tell somebody to go back in history and look what Nixon did, you know, to extend the Vietnam War or what Reagan right. and Bush did with the hostages. Right. I mean, that's right. a little more complicated. But this is happening in real time. You can hear what Trump said. You can hear what Langford said. If you're just actively, uh, you know, using cognitive dissonance to prove a point, really, what, what could our, and, and, and the lady calls in and just yells at you for about 10 minutes and doesn't make any real consistent yeah. point. It's a cult. Today. They're coming over. It's, yeah. I it's mean, a cult. And their self-worth is measured um, in their oh, blind obedience, blind, unmanly obedience to a reality show clown. It, it can happen here, man. It's it's going to be holding the holding holding the crucifix and and the Bible. And I know, draped, yeah. in, draped in the flag. And we have to be always grateful. Word. I'm very grateful that they're so stupid and incompetent. My God, Bush and Cheney to Trump. Thank God our fascists are so bad at the job. But it doesn't mean they can't hurt a lot of people on the way to completely fucking up and failing. Yeah. And that's what I that's I what mean, I care I, about. I, I'll say this: Hitler was an incredible orator. Trump's a buffoon, and yet it's yeah. still happening. I mean, it's—I don't yeah. know. I mean, what does that say? But about hey, uh, Hitler! Let, let, don't don't sell Hitler short. Invading Russia during the winter—that was pretty buffoony too. You know, exactly. <laughs> he might have been a good public speaker, but Hitler had some pretty stupid notions of how to create a, yeah, uh, a fatherland. Yeah, that way, that way to go. You know, I, mean, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, sir. I really appreciate the call. We'll see how that. it all plays yeah. out. Yeah. Thank you. We're at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRID. I want to bring in one of the smartest men in any room he finds himself. Max Burns is a Public Relations Society of America award-winning Democratic strategist and political columnist. His advocacy work has guided some of the most successful American campaigns and companies. And you may have read or seen him everywhere from the Daily Beast to News Nation to NBC News. Mr. Burns, we are always grateful to have you back here at Sirius XM Progress. Hello, sir. Hey, brother. How are you? I'm really good. Better now. It's great to have you back on our show. How are you? It's great to be here. Thanks so much for having me. A nice, nice Honestly, low news day day to come on, huh? I was going to say, today was one of those days where it got so crazy. We thought, oh, my God, I don't care what Max Burns is doing. I, I, I can't keep track of all of this mentally. You know, Ronna McDaniel leaving, she picked the right day when no one was going to notice. Between the complete caving and capitulation of the Republicans running away from their own reform bill to the Mayorkas impeachment vote blowing up to the Israel funding vote just completely falling apart. Uh, what am I? Le oh, yeah, the D.C. Circuit ruling saying that it turns out um, a crook is still a crook. Max, where to begin on a day like this? Well, I think we sort of at least knew the Ronna McDaniel news was coming. I mean, Trump has been unhappy with her for a while. And there's a lot of back and forth there about her unwillingness to fully bend the knee to MAGA. But one of the things that isn't talked about a lot outside of the Beltway is that Ronna McDaniel has also presided over a huge loss period for the RNC. They're almost yes. broke. I mean, they have spent a significant amount of party money on Donald Trump's legal defense. And that's incredibly unpopular with a lot of Republicans who now have to go out this campaign season into tough districts and try and win reelection with a party that is essentially saying, if your name isn't Donald Trump, you're not getting any money from us this year. So she yeah. didn't have that many friends left any, in any case to protect her, even if she had wanted to stay. At the same time, though, how much of the culprit here is 
not necessarily Ronna McDaniel. I mean, she gets plenty of credit for the incredible Republican losses in 2018, 2020, 2022, 2023. I could go on. But really, this is Donald Trump starving the beast himself by having all of his faithful donate exclusively to Save America PAC. Those are donations that used to go to the Republican Party. And now the RNC is starving and the RNC in all 50 states are starving because they handed their party over to a cult leader. And now their former party members, now cult members, are donating substantial amounts to Donald Trump's criminal defense attorneys. That is why the RNC is going broke. Am I wrong, Max? No, this is Donald Trump's party. Now, the RNC exists sort of as a as an appendage of Trump. And there, there's a popular sort of wisdom that the Republican Civil War was lost back in 2016, the minute Trump got the nomination. And that's yeah. true. But the actual process of taking over and operationalizing a conquest like that takes a long time. And you see now with McDaniel leaving, uh, this is Trumpism taking the last thing it doesn't have. It already took the speakership. It rendered Mitch McConnell essentially powerless in the Senate. It's taken most of the state secretaries of state and governors. The last thing it did not have was the actual head of the RNC itself. And now Trump will appoint whoever he wants. He's talked about appointing Roger Stone to that position, which (laughs) would be one of the most insane things I could imagine. I almost want (laughs) to see it because, you know, that's going to end in so many bribery and money laundering convictions. Beautiful. I want. I also just. I would like Roger to get a job where he can meet some chicks. You know, I think that'd be good for him to get out of the house a little bit. So uh, who knows? I mean, Max, it sounds beautiful, and it just sounds like more of this chaos. It's not helping the party overall, but you know, it's not helping the party. Is of course spending a year demanding this draconian bill, uh, having the Democrats completely embrace a bill that Amnesty International has condemned and called Joe Biden out for embracing the cruelty of Trump. Now, you've got a piece coming out tomorrow in The Hill at the border debate and how now it's the Democrats as of now. Thank you, James Lankford, campaigning as the tough on the border centrist in 2024. How significant is this, Max? And how did we get here? I mean, this really does shape 2024 up to be this generational realignment. You have abortion, which has completely changed the landscape since the Supreme Court overturned Roe. And now you have immigration and the border where Republicans for 40 years now have had a decided advantage among voters who trust them on the border, regardless of what they actually do. And now they've got this bill that's everything they in theory want, and they have completely collapsed uh, in in fighting themselves on it. The, The sponsors won't even support their own bill. So Democrats are in this rare position of credibly putting Republicans on the spot as soft on the border. (laughs) And that is is a wild moment to think about. I mean, and you see it in in the messaging already. It is quite a change from Joe Biden campaigning in 2020 on the inhumanity of Donald Trump's stay in Mexico policy to the Joe Biden who last month said he will shut down the border if you give him the bill. But this is this is Joe Biden essentially acknowledging that this is potentially a winning issue for Democrats now and he's going to chase it. Well, it's also Joe Biden acknowledging that at the risk of alienating a lot of his core base, 
this could be the only option he has left because he's been so beaten up by Trump on this topic that it's stuck. I mean, Max, the the supply chain issues, those have gone away. The gas prices and the inflation, those have gone away. Uh, Hunter Biden and this impeachment inquiry, that's all gone away. All they have left to beat him up on is the border. And it seems like, look... I, I one of the reasons I'm not a Democrat is because I always know what's going to happen at the last minute. The Democratic Party will throw the gays under the parade float. They'll flow whatever minority they need under the bus to try to appear moderate. And this kept Bill Clinton in office for two years. Didn't help yep. the Democratic Party in history. Didn't really help the causes they fight for. It helped keep Democrats in power operating as somewhat better than Republicans. I mean, if you are now seeing Joe Biden saying that the Republicans are calling for open borders, It's like Gaza. He's going to lose some voters he won't get back. But will he gain enough? Will this be enough to help them? I mean, this is the tough calculus for Joe Biden, because you've seen people like former HUD secretary Julian Castro came out and said that it was disappointing to see Democrats essentially taking the language of Republicans to talk about migrants now in this dehumanizing language And I mean, let's be clear, there is clearly an an immigration crisis, both in the fact that the immigration system we have has been rendered non-functional by Republicans refusing to fund it, and that there are many people in this country who need support who are not able to get it right now because we can't pass an immigration bill. And six in 10 swing state voters blame Joe Biden for that. That is a huge red flag for him. He is acutely aware of that. And I think his feeling is that he has more to gain in trying to bring those independents back who are skeptical on immigration than he does to lose from these left-leaning groups that are already pretty vocally upset. Yeah, I think you're right. And again, showing the vast, white, moderate middle of America that you're not that liberal and the liberals are mad at you, it's something that has often helped Democrats get elected. God knows Joe Biden's opposition to defund the police really helped him get the nomination four years ago. I I want to play a quick clip, Mr. Burns. Here's Joe Biden doing exactly what you're talking about in your piece. Here he is listing. This is a one, Chris, some traditionally rather conservative organizations that are wholeheartedly endorsing this apparently DOA bipartisan border bill. The reforms in this bill are essential for making our border more orderly, more humane and more secure. That's why the Border Patrol Union, which, by the way, endorsed Donald Trump in the 2020 election, endorses this bill. These are the people whose job it is to secure the border every single solitary day. They don't just show up for photo ops like some members of Congress. They're there to do their job. This is the risk of thing they many of them risk their lives doing every single day. And they decided they decided the Border Patrol decided this gives them the tools they need to do the job more personnel across the board. It's also why the U.S. Chamber of Commerce endorsed this bill, because they know this bill is not just good for the border, it's also good for American business and for the American economy. And it's why the Wall Street Journal endorsed the bill, with the headline this morning which reads, quote, a border security bill worth passing. The Senate has reforms Trump never came close to getting. That's the quote from the journal. There's your conservative Democrat talking about all the conservative outlets that are supporting his bill. Now, Max, a few years back, I was doing mornings on CNN, 
And Soledad O'Brien generally didn't let me talk to the campaign big shots too much. But one morning she let me ask a question of Mitt Romney's advisor. And I talked about how you're tacking so far to the right to win the nomination. How are you going to go to the middle for the general? And Romney's communications director said, oh, it's like an Etch-A-Sketch. You just shake it and it's all fine. And it led Mm -hmm. to a bit of a scandal. And I I still get hate mail for it now and then. But I'm looking at this dynamic now and I I see the Democrats doing it. Joe Biden is shaking the Etch-A-Sketch. He is finding a way after being much more progressive than anybody thought to move back to the center for the general election. Whereas I see Donald Trump, who a few months ago was flirting with talking about sensible abortion policy for the GOP to win national elections, now just coming down full throttle on the side of narrowing his party as much as possible to appeal deeply to the voters he's already got. Do you see that, Max? Joe Biden is thinking about the general and Donald Trump is still getting his cheering section to cheer him on. I do. And as an activist, I mean, it hurts me to hear Joe Biden talking like Rick Santorum. But as a strategist, I think what people need to understand is Joe Biden is doing two things with what with that is he's able to talk so tough because we know now that realistically he's not going to have to sign this bill. It's not going to pass. Republicans can't get their own bill through. And you can talk tough about all the things you will do when you know it's pretty unlikely you're going to have to actually do any of it. But that still paints Republicans as being the people who won't deliver. And what he's doing is putting forward a message that really resonates with voters, which is Republicans have said for years, the border's a crisis. We got to fix it now. It's got to happen right now. We've got to pass the legislation. And now we're saying, okay, we'll pass it. And suddenly this can wait until 2025 when Donald Trump is president. You can't ask the American people to think something is a crisis if you don't treat it like one. And so he's really draining this Republican argument of all of its power on national television. Max, I have so many more questions to ask you, including about friend of this show, Robert Kennedy Jr. You have a great new piece in The Hill that's going to upset a lot of people, uh, but it's called How RFK Jr. Traded His Principles for Ballot Access. I'd like to ask you about the piece. We have to take a quick break, though. Can you stay with us, Mr. Burns, for just a couple minutes? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, we'll be right back with your calls as well for Max Burns at 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. We'll talk about Robert Kennedy Jr. using a lot of grassroots money to try to get Donald Trump elected again. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Everyone's calls this evening at 866-997-4748. 866-997-GRIT. We are joined by the great Max Burns. And his new piece for The Hill is all about the moral tragedy of Robert Kennedy Jr., who, full disclosure, has been on this show. I've met RFK Jr. several times, worked with him on TV and over here. But as Max points out, the new Harvard Caps Harris poll showed that he is scooping up about 18 percent of the electorate against Donald Trump's 41 percent and Joe Biden's 33 percent. Once again, we see Kennedy who was once safely regarded as too progressive to be a Democrat, now doing all he can do to get the people he used to despise back into power. Max, please help me make sense about this, because I've been trying to figure out what kind of late midlife crisis RFK Jr. could be going through for this. Well, he is certainly nothing if not interesting to hear talk about his his campaign, which has seemed to be a little bit of everything. I mean, you remember he started off running in the Democratic primary, that didn't go great. So he dropped out and became an independent. And since then, he's basically been been telling himself to every organization that would promise to put him on the ballot. He's talked to the No Labels Party, that Republican backed mm-hmm. group that's also talking to Joe Manchin, talked to No Labels. Or sorry, he talked to the Libertarian Party. Uh, he talked to Donald Trump, who essentially asked him to be his vice president and then lied about it and was caught on live television. The, the question to me isn't what Kennedy believes, it's who's willing to buy him, because he could not have put a larger for sale sign on himself, uh, all in the name of ballot access. And it is a shame for someone who was for so long such an iconic, progressive environmental leader. Yeah, but that's what I don't understand, because what I've always loved about him and going back to Ring of Fire Radio with Mike Papantonio, I listened to RFK Jr. for years. I loved all those guys. But he was most known as an environmental activist and one with a law degree. And people always loved his environmental work so much. They were always saying, oh, he should run for office. He should run for office. Now, as you point out, the Chronicle in San Francisco did a whole article how he scrubbed almost all mentions of climate change from the campaign website. He's pushing conspiracy theories about the EPA and he's flirting with saying he would be willing to be Donald Trump's running mate. Uh, I cannot think of a more anti-climate science pro-pollution human in our country right now. I mean, what wh- what does it say that he's forfeiting not just all of his values, but the values that made people like him in the first place? And just at this point, whoring out the family name. Well, it's clear that this isn't about winning. I mean, he seems to know he's not going to get ballot access broadly. This is some kind of ego stroking thing his profile rose very high during the pandemic because of his conspiracy views and he got a lot of media attention and i think to some extent is hooked on that but i mean you talk about the trump conversation this is a guy kennedy once accused donald trump of discrediting democracy with his behavior and, and on january 6th and is now talking about potentially serving in his administration solely because Donald Trump will give him a position. He's, he's a guy who once received awards for standing up to big oil companies and fighting for a lot of the green right. legislation we have today, who now on his website promotes EPA conspiracy theories 
that are funded by oil companies, all because one of his biggest backers is, believe it or not, Steve Bannon. So I don't know what what Kennedy believes, but I, I know what he did it. once believe, and it's a real shame to have lost it. I, I don't get it, Max. I mean, like, if you told me they had compromise on him, I believe it. But let's be honest, you don't have to have compromise on RFK. Um, I, I don't really go much for talking about people's personal lives. But one of the reasons I think he never ran for national office all those years as a Democrat would be that people would look into his wife and how she killed herself and why she killed herself. And I always thought that was the scandal in his life, um, the marriage and how it ended and what happened to with the mother of his children. I always thought that's what kept RFK Jr. in check, that that's what kept him from seeking higher office. Now, in the age of Trump, doesn't matter what you've done before. But my question is, if if he gains any more popularity, how long will it be till we hear Democratic operatives talking about his personal life and the very tragic ending that the mother of his children had to embrace? Well, I certainly hope it doesn't come to that. I don't think it so will. But you're you're right. I mean, a lot of elite Democrats, especially strategists in the mainstream media, have started to worry a lot about Kennedy. I mean, that poll that put him at 18 percent really worried a lot of people. But I think that's a narrow view, because if you look at all of these polls, one of the top things voters rank is that they want a candidate who shares my values. And no one in the race has changed his values more and more frequently than Robert F. Kennedy. I mean, it's safe to say that he has a core of of supporters, but they're certainly not Democrats. I mean, every poll indicates that he pulls much more from Donald Trump than he does from Joe Biden. One of the reasons you're seeing Republicans attack him so visibly, well, Democrats kind of don't acknowledge he exists. But this is, to me, more a problem of democracy. If you're going to have a guy out here viewing conspiracy theories and public health lies. I mean, what does that say about where most Americans trust in institutions is if almost 20% of them say, that makes sense, I agree with that. But in the era of Trump, I mean, in the era of George W. Bush, we just had two Republican presidents who arguably got the office because of product brand name recognition. So is it that shocking that RFK would abandon the principles and values of his life and just run on the name? It seems to be enough for our conservative friends. It it certainly seems to be enough for him. I mean, he has a campaign that is so different than what made his father iconic in, in not just progressive politics, but in American politics was this very courageous campaign of optimism and truth telling and moral courage. And he would tell tell these difficult truths to the country, but explain how we're going to get through it together and compare that now to Kennedy Jr., who's a very nihilistic campaign. It consists of don't trust the president. He's lying to you. Don't trust the doctors. They're lying to you. Uh, don't I trust. I don't get it. The Internet. It's all controlled by conspiracies. And there, there is no optimism. Oh there is no message there beyond don't trust anyone but me. And that's unfortunately, you know, just a different flavor of the same message Trump is giving us. Yeah, but it's crazy. And it doesn't 
makes sense. I, I have friends who, who work out at the same gym he works out at who've told me they're convinced he's on steroids and that's why all this is happening, that he's just lost his mind and that's why he's putting out videos of himself doing shirtless push-ups in his 70s. I don't know, and I don't mean to conjecture and rumor monger. I'm just trying to say I don't get how he can completely get rid of his old values and then building fundraising apparatuses with Republican big money donors. The very people he as an environmental lawyer has spent decades of his life fighting against. I mean, what could the end game be here other than a payout? Because as you pointed out, Max, it's not going to help. And joining the Libertarian Party, not going to help him either. That was one of the strangest moments in this whole process. Robert F. Kennedy Jr., for those who aren't familiar, uh, in the 80s especially, had a very public and very long-running philosophical feud with the Libertarian Party, considered them completely illegitimate as an ideology, which is pretty right. And now that the Libertarians have been taken over by neo-Nazi MAGA nativism, he's out here asking if they would please endorse him in states so that he can tout their message to the public. I mean, it is it is frightening to me. Though, as you say, the guy does have a great body. Whatever he's doing is working. <laughs> yes, whatever he is. Uh, uh, yes, and I'm not, I don't mean to suggest he's actually doing steroids. It was just a, an unfounded rumor, but we know how much he hates needles going into bodies. Um, 866-997-4748, 866-997-GRIT. So, Mr. Burns, after a really bad day for Republicans... Where are we at now? I mean, Donald Trump got smacked down by the circuit court, but the Supreme Court will take it up next week. I know you're as sick of the immunity story as I am. Ronna McDaniels is leaving, so I guess they'll replace her with someone more obedient to Donald Trump. And from all indications, it seems like they're going to try to have a revote on this Mayorkas impeachment inquiry once Steve Scalise returns from his stem cell treatment, which, by the way, he voted against other Americans being able to receive. It, it sort yeah. of seems like today's one of those days where they may be down, but it's all very fluid, and this could turn around for them in 48 hours. It really is. I like this tweet I saw from a journalist, unfortunately, I don't remember his name, who described this Congress and, and Speaker Mike Johnson as just legislating on the vibes. They put legislation up. They have no idea if it's going to pass. I mean, Mike Johnson has lost more votes in just his short tenure than I think the last five Democratic speakers combined. It really is remarkable. They just don't seem to have any expectation of functionality from themselves. So the question for me is, why should voters? How can you go out and ask voters to reelect you when even your fellow Republicans are saying, guys, Republicans are non-functional. We can't govern. But as you point out, even James Lankford himself, the creepy plastic doll grown into a real live boy, even he is running away from his own bill, which uh, forgive me for saying deja vu, Max. But this is exactly what Marco Rubio did to the Senate gang of eight immigration reform bill yeah. just a little over 10 years ago. I mean, the Republican Party campaigns on this. They campaign on this. And when they get close to actually having something that could help, they run away from it. Because they need the chaos. They're incapable of governing. And as you pointed out, even Dan Crenshaw admitted that today. Yeah, I mean, the challenge here is if you actually do what's right for the country and pass this bipartisan legislation, then you also have to admit that this immigration thing isn't some endless crisis. It's a situation that can be managed by good government. And Republicans hate nothing more than having to acknowledge that the things they claim require 
authoritarianism to fix can actually just be fixed by Republicans showing up and doing their jobs. Boom. And, and it, it just brings back to the, the immunity thing, which it's, it's not that I'm sick of it. It's just that I think this is what Trump does very effectively is he takes things we all agree on that, of course, a president doesn't have lifetime immunity from crimes. That's silly. And then he tries to frame them as subjects for debate. And my only thought here is uh, we've seen repeatedly the courts have upheld it. The Supreme Court should just deny cert right away would be my expectation. Yeah. But by creating this space where it's debatable, he legitimizes an illegitimate argument. And I just at this point, I'm shocked it's still working, but it seems to be working less and less. Is Ron DeSantis going to run for president again in four years? Max, I've got oh a lot of jokes God. I'm not tired of. I, as a fan of humiliation, I'm, I'm very curious about this. I think Meatball Ron was low-key one of the best Trump nicknames. It just stayed with him the whole time. I and like he eventually one. became the Meatball Man. He lowered <laughs> himself to the name, as people tend to do around Trump. But no, he'll definitely do it. I mean, he, Casey DeSantis doesn't want to spend all her days in Tallahassee and Jacksonville. <laughs> she, she'll do anything to Iowa's paradise compared to that. So he will definitely be back. Nikki Haley will definitely be back. The question is, by the time they do that, is there going to be a Republican Party that even identifies them as Republicans anymore? Yeah, exactly. Mr. Burns, it is always a joy to have you class up our show. What is the best way for our listeners to follow you and keep up with all your writings? You can inexplicably still find me on Twitter at the Max Burns. <laughs> and I'm also on Substack at maxburns.substack.com. Always a pleasure, man. Great to have you. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for filling in for me this coming Thursday when I have to go away for some family business. Uh, I'm very honored, as always, to have Max Burns drag this show up to your own level. I appreciate it, Max. Thank you so much. Thank you, sir.